I'm Ellen Pompeo. Welcome to Tell Me. Today, I sat down with Tinks. You may know her from that app I never post videos on called TikTok. She's a Los Angeles-based content creator, Stanford graduate also. I have to throw that in there. Her most popular videos are pop culture commentaries. She loves to give us an inside look at her life. I love Tinks. We had a great conversation. We had a lot of fun and we talked about what hard work looks like and what success looks like. And I hope you enjoy our conversation. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, Tanks. Hi. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? So we have to start with, like, you have to tell me where Tanks comes from. It's a really funny story. When I was younger, I was actually not that confident. And it bothered me. I wanted so desperately to be confident like the other girls. So I was home for the summer and I watched this movie. It had Kirsten Dunst in it. And it's a movie that not a lot of people have seen. I think it's called Strike. And anyway, in it, there's this character called Tinka Parker. And she's like the coolest girl. All the boys love her. So when I came back to school that fall, I told my friends, you guys, I have an alter ego now. And her name is Tinka Parker. And when I'm her, I'm really confident and I'll say anything. And they were like, okay. It was kind of my Sasha Fierce moment. And slowly but surely, I sort of just became her. And so Tinka Parker got shortened to Tinka, which got shortened to Tinks. And so now it's been my nickname for 20 years. The moral of the story is sometimes you have to fake it till you make it with confidence. And that really does work. I tell myself that all the time. And I have an alter ego too. My assistant has named her Sanjalina. Sanjalina, I love that. Yes, because Sanjay <laughs> Gupta did the podcast. And sometimes I get so overwhelmed. Yeah. And I freak out and I'm like, I'm doing too much. And Sanjay, he does so many things. I mean, among them, like brain surgery once a week. Right. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. So I was like, how do you do brain surgery, be on TV, write books, do podcasts, and you are literally the happiest man I've ever seen. I mean, he literally just glows. Yeah. And he was like, well, these are all, you know, opportunities. I get to do all these things. They're not chores. It's not stuff I have to do. I have the privilege to do all these things. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. I have to start thinking about my life that way. And so when I get overwhelmed, my assistant's like, just channel Sanjalina. And I'm like, okay, here I am. Angelina. So she's a Zen version of you. I love that. No, it's true. Actually, it's so funny. My girlfriend said that to me the other day. I was like freaking out. I called her and I was like, I have so much to do. I'm not going to get it all done. She said, you have so much that you get to do. And I was like, that is such a good reframe. I'm so lucky to be busy, but it's hard. It's hard sometimes. I had a full crying meltdown yesterday. Sometimes it just gets to be too much, but now I will think of Sanjolina when I have those moments. Now you have three personalities. Yes. The more the merrier, you know, when it comes to personalities. 
I feel like it's good. It's like my seven-year-old. We have to put on different costumes and be different people. And actually, it's a good device for us. We yeah. should start that. <laughs> like I have one aggressive personality. I have to put her away. I had a conversation with a good girlfriend of mine this morning who went to the Hoffman Institute and she just recently came back and she had this great experience. And she was like, you know, I I would react aggressively to things before and now I don't. And I said to myself, it's funny because fame, and you may encounter this, fame has really made me have to have compassion for situations rather than be angry. Yeah. Because so much gets called out or when you feel in the spotlight or you feel like people are accusing you of things that you didn't do, our natural defense is to get defensive, right? But I am channeling Sanjolina now. I'm like, well, I'm really sorry that people feel that way or people think that's what I meant or said or any of that. In the same conversation, we also talked about how for my childhood trauma, acting has been a really good outlet for me because part of people's pain or whatever that they never get to release, I've had the blessing to be able to release that. So I'm glad you had a good cry yesterday. But how did you learn to de-escalate yourself in those situations when people would say accuse you of something or misunderstand you or what have you? Like, how did you learn that compassion? Because I feel like I'm very new to this world, but I'm online. So there's a lot of instances where people can accuse me or misunderstand me. And I got to be honest, I get so upset and frustrated and it's like, it's too much. You can't go to every person and explain yourself. So how did you learn to think, I'm sorry that you feel that way, or this made you, you know, you interpreted that way? Like, was it just over the course of your career or through what? I think that it's been very recent for me. Mm-hmm. And I think because social media and our media in general is such a clickbait society now with cancel culture and everything is so heightened, mm-hmm. I've really been forced out of self-care to look for another, yeah, like look for a kinder way to handle these emotions. And I, I probably didn't come up with it on my own. I've listened to whoever I follow on Instagram, motivational stuff, listen to people who are super positive. Right. Um, and that is one great thing about social media is I love all the positivity that you can find on there if that's what you're looking for and to help you think about things or reframe things in a new way. I interviewed this guy, Adam Grant. I don't know if you're familiar with Adam Grant. Yeah. Uh-huh. He wrote this great book called Think Again, and he talks about the power of reframing the way you think. And I loved that book, and I'm so into him, and I'm so into people who turn thoughts inside out or upside down, and how can we think about this in a new way? Because it's really the key to everything. And so I think I've just been forced, because I'd literally be in a ball of tears every single day, because when you do have a high profile, and it probably feels bigger for me than it actually is. You know, when it feels like people are taking shots at you. There's another woman I follow on Instagram, and she held up a sign on Instagram. She holds up up signs. The other very powerful thing that I saw her say that really helped me was, there's power in not having to explain your side of the story all the time. Yes. I love that. I love that. I don't know if she ever said this, but I always have this quote in my head from, um, by the way, I'm very into mantras and, you know, positive thinking and all that too. So I think Kate Moss said that she had this phrase, don't complain, don't explain. And sometimes that 
helps me when I'm like, oh, this comment that this person wrote about me, they don't get me. They didn't understand my joke. I think don't complain about it and don't explain yourself. It's not to do with you. And also what Oprah says, she says, you know, if people speak about you behind your back or without knowing you, that's their business. That's their business. That's their whole thing. So that's another one that I'm like, "Mm, you know what? I don't know that person. They don't know me. Forget it. That's their business. It's not mine. So it's a work in progress though. It can be difficult. It is. It's an interesting choice for you because, you know, you have this incredible education. You went to Stanford. You're a writer. There's other things you could do. Mm -hmm. And yet your frequency and your vibration really is speaking to so many people. You know, which is interesting because there's so many people trying to be influencers who want to break through on social media and just are not able. And then by happenstance, whatever your frequency is, whatever your vibration is, the tone of your voice, the things you say, I think it's a combination always when people are attracted to someone, whether it's an evil person or a good person. Hmm. I think your frequency and your vibration speaks to a certain sect. It's like a radio dial, right? And you're choosing to put yourself, which is a very brave thing to do. And I hope you get credit for that. I hope you give yourself credit for that. Who cares if anybody else gives you credit for it? I hope you give yourself credit for it because it's a brave thing to do to put yourself out there in the line of fire, which is exactly where you are. And it's something I've struggled with doing this podcast, why would I put a microphone in front of myself and say things that people can pick apart? And there's bravery and courage in that. And that's a message that's always going to benefit young women, I think. Go back to your point of whether we put on our Tink's armor or we, we put on our alter egos, whatever gets you through the day. Rihanna says that too. Rihanna says, fake it till you make it. I see a TikTok or a reel of Rihanna saying the same thing. And I'm critical of myself when I open up on this podcast and I talk about my vulnerability. I'm like, shit, I'm not faking it till I make it. I just talked about my vulnerability. And then everyone around you is like, but it's good to talk about your vulnerability. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, no, I want to put on my Fenty lingerie and tell everyone (laughs) that I'm I'm a bad bitch. (laughs) Oh my God. I know that exact self-conversation all too well. I really do. Especially with me, I feel that I have to be strong for the girls as in my followers. And I don't mean just women younger than me. I mean, any woman that follows me, I think a lot of people look to me to be strong. So then I'm like, okay, I read a lot of Brene Brown. I believe in the power of vulnerability, but then I'm also like, but I need to be strong for them. And so even yesterday when I had this like huge crying meltdown, I was so stressed out and I was like, oh my God, I don't know whether to tell my followers or not because I want them to know that it's okay to have a complete wobbly in the middle of the day sometimes, but I also want them to know that I am holding it together and that I'm strong for them. And, you know, it's really tricky and it's hard to know when to expose that vulnerability and when to put on the Fenty lingerie and say, you know what, here I am. It's a difficult challenge. Or a balancing act. Right. And it's making reframe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's making me think of your conversation with Barbara Corcoran, who I love. And I loved that conversation. I didn't see the whole thing, but I saw a piece of it where you said, I learned from every experience or from every job. And Mm -hmm. that is such a valuable piece of information. Even if you have a meltdown, even if you are faking it on that day, 
as long as you're learning yeah. from the experience, then you're okay. 100%. And even if it seems like a situation where you can't learn anything, and you can. And I always tell my followers, how you do anything is how you do everything. So even if you are in a job that you literally hate, that is so just, you hate everything you have to do. Your only job is to get coffee, which by the way, I've had many of those jobs. You always learn something if you just open your eyes. Like for example, I had a lot of jobs in New York City working in fashion, like at the bottom of the totem pole. And for many summers interning and working, I had no real like tasks. My tasks were to take you know, garments from one end of the city to another to get coffee, whatever. You know what I learned? How to get around New York City fast. And maybe in the moment I wasn't like, oh, this is such a great experience. I love this. In the moment I was thinking like, I'm sweating my ass off, like in the city heat holding these garment bags. But you have to look back and be like, okay, I know the city really well. I know where to get coffee in every neighborhood. I know, you know, what all these important people like in their coffee. Like you have to take something from it because that's how you grow. And also you might not be able to use whatever you learn right away, right? But you store it away in your back pocket. And then 10 years later, you're running to an important fancy meeting and you know the exact subway route to take because 10 years ago, you were that intern who was hauling ass up and down New York City. So that's my work sermon. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. It's so true. And we could talk about the coffee shops all day long too. And hopefully, you know, what I try to do with everybody around me, the younger people around me, is I try to make sure I'm shining a light on the teaching moments. You know, it's great if you have an employer. Not everybody does. And I'm sure I don't do it all the time. But it's great if you have an employer who does that for you and says like, in this moment, you know, I say say to the PAs on Gray's, when they pull up the carts, right? They take us to set in these golf carts. Yeah. And then when we come out of set, they have to turn the cart around. Mm -hmm. And I say, hey, you know, after you drop us off, you could turn the cart around so that it's parked in the right direction. Right. So that as soon as I come out, which is just me being impatient that they have to turn the cart around, right? Right. Like if I have to pee or I'm starving and I want to run down to my trailer, it's like, why isn't this cart turned around? But then I stop myself. This is like what 50 does to you, right? I get a little wisdom on the fifth floor. And I say, you know, you guys could, we're in there for an hour shooting the scene and you guys are just sitting out here waiting for to be told something to do next. You could just turn the cart around. I'm like, yeah. And then the PAs who remember every time, those are the ones, you know, they absorbed what you said. Oh my God. I literally am the same person. I'm so impatient. And this is the first time in my life that I have employees and then people who work on my team. And so it's like a new experience. And I want 
so badly to be the person that I needed and to teach them things, no matter what they're doing. Like, this is the best way to do it. Like, this is what you can learn from this. But I'm the same way. I'm like, you know, we could have had, you know, pull the car around or, you know, before I'm even there, my poor assistant is like, (laughs) but I'm like, just, you know, two steps ahead. What am I going to do? What am I going to need? Because let's be efficient. Like, let's do 10 things at once. But it's hard. You know, it's hard to be a boss of other people and it's hard to focus on your work and do a million things. And it's a juggling act for sure. It definitely is hard. But if you're a great boss and they learn, I always say to my assistants, when you leave here, you should be a better assistant than when you came in the door. Not that you want to be an assistant forever. I get it. Right. But if you're not the best assistant ever by the time you leave here, then you should go be an assistant to someone else, someone different to learn new things. And I don't think assisting, you know, is something you should do forever. You know, I think if you've stopped learning and growing at it, then it's time to move on and do something else. But when you leave here, you should be a way better assistant than when you came in. It is hard to be an employer and have employees. It's definitely learning curves for sure. Completely. But, you know, if we're not learning, then what else are we doing? Exactly. That's what we're doing podcasts to try to teach young girls exactly what you just said. Like, I didn't have anyone to teach me anything and not many female mentors at all. No one was really stepping up to spit knowledge or wisdom to me. So I had to figure out a lot of things on my own. And hopefully this platform is doing that for young women. It's so amazing to see you who have been so successful turn and say, what can I give back? And also how can I use my platform to literally teach those on their way up? Like, that's just incredible. And I believe, I always say to the girls, I'm like, between all of us women in the room, we have the answer. It's just about sharing the information. It's just about asking the right questions. And it's about listening, you know, because now there is this wealth of information out there. And sometimes my followers will ask me things and I'm like, you guys, Google is free. Like, I love giving advice and this question you could Google. So it's also about like listening. It's about researching those podcasts. It's about while you're getting ready in the morning, listen to a podcast, learn one thing before you start your day. Like I can be a little bit much about that stuff, but I I wish that I had known earlier because I think I spent a lot of my twenties being like, whatever, like, you know, just not absorbing all that's around me. And I wish I could go back and just be like, open your ears, open your eyes. There's so much. And there's more coming. So just absorb it. Yeah, I said it on Laura Brown's podcast. And Cindy Crawford said it. In your 20s, you're so busy comparing yourself to other women that you're just not working on yourself at all. At least that's a generalization. I don't mean everyone. So I'll talk about me. When I was in my 20s, I was definitely spending the majority of my time trying to get the opposite sex to like me and accept me. And I was comparing myself to other women. What were they doing that I wasn't? How did they look that I didn't? My entire early 20s was just compare, compare, compare. And I think now with social media, it's like, you don't even have to leave your house and you can compare. You can just scroll and think, why don't I have that job? Why am I not six feet tall? Why don't I have washboard abs? And the second that I stopped comparing was the second that I really say that my life kind of began because you're like, well, that's not me. But it's really hard. And God, I I didn't know that Cindy Crawford said that, but that's a perfect way to sum it up. And then, you know, towards your late 20s, again, generalizing, but for me, 28, 29, I was like, 
I guess this is who I am. So why don't I stop comparing myself to Sally down the street and just start working aggressively on myself? And that's when everything started clicking. So if we can encourage girls to stop comparing earlier, that's a huge win. Yeah. And to communicate more because we tell ourselves a lot of stories Mm -hmm. and we make certain assumptions and judgments. And if we were just sort of have a conversation and say, hey, what did you mean by that? Or obviously you can't do that on social media, but just in our personal lives, I always feel like uh, relationships with other women are so much more effective when you just say, hey, how are you feeling about this? Communication is the key because everyone talks around things and people make assumptions and then, you know, the negativity happens. Did you just start making TikToks and then it it just kind of became a thing? Were you just doing it, fucking around, trying to have fun? Yeah. Well, so before I started TikTok, I started in May 2020 in quarantine, deep quarantine, because before that I was freelance writing, I was consulting, I was doing this and that. And then when the pandemic hit, obviously nobody wanted funny, lighthearted freelance writing pieces and all the companies that I was consulting for were like going bankrupt. And I was like, well... I am completely detached from the outcome of this, but I just feel like I need to create. And it's almost like when you're a teenager, when you're a child, you create and you don't think about work, right? You just like think, oh, I want to make this because I feel like making it. And then, you know, we grow up and we think about jobs and what should we be doing and judgment and all that stuff. And then when I was literally like in my studio apartment by myself for weeks on end, I kind of regressed back to a teenager And I was feeling very creative because there was no work. There was no life. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to make a TikTok. I'm just going to see how it feels because I don't give a shit anymore. And as soon as I made my first video, I was like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I never never thought of myself as a in front of the camera or in the public eye person. I thought I was like behind the scenes, funny gal writer. And then I made a TikTok and I was like, I love entertaining people. I love connecting people. And then it just snowballed. And it was like, Oh, I love making people laugh. Oh, I love connecting with other women about like the trials and tribulations of being a womanhood in today's world. And I just had so much fun doing it. And I was like, they weren't lying when they say, find something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I was like, that's a lie. That's not true, but it turns out it is. And so I always say to the girls, like, listen, I was 29, almost 30 when I found my passion. And you know, sometimes you don't find it when you're 19. Sometimes you don't find it when you're 25. Sometimes you just have to keep going, but it's there. And then it's been a whirlwind year and a half since then. And I'm so grateful for everything that's happening. It's really fulfilling. I finally found what I'm supposed to do. And I do think that your whole journey does help what you do, right? Because you went to Stanford And what did you study at Stanford? I studied English literature with an emphasis in Shakespeare and creative writing. Talk about comparison. Like all of my classmates went on and they immediately graduated to these like incredible jobs at Google and Twitter and like all these fancy VC firms. And I was like, I think I want to do fashion. I'm not totally sure. I guess I'll go do that for a while. And by the way, I always tell people, because a lot of girls write to me, they're like, I don't know what I want to major in. And I'm like, literally just major in what you think is interesting and you can always apply it to one thing or another. It will come in handy. Like, Don't force yourself to be an econ major just because you think that it's the right thing to do and you want to go into finance or whatever. Just do what you love. I love to read and I love to write. So that's what I did. And it's come in very handy all these years later in my freelance writing career. For sure. It's all about finding your flow. I feel like, yeah, go to college, study what you find interesting, go to work, 
but just keep doing things. Like you said, just keep working and you will find your flow. If a situation doesn't feel right, move on to something else. You got to sort of follow your gut. You're right. It just sounds hokey when people say it, but I believe so much in destiny and, you know, that sounds hokey too. But the truth really is you really do have to find a way to work hard and kind of find your flow and your destiny unfolds. Yeah. You know, you do have to kind of go with your gut, work hard, be a good person. Good decision-making is definitely part of getting your destiny to unfold in a good way as opposed to a bad way. You do have to decide, like, should I go down that left path or down this right path? And, you know, sometimes that's challenging and sometimes you pick the wrong path, but you just got to get back on the main path. If you get derailed and, you know, you make a wrong move and you got to just course correct and get back. I do believe a lot in destiny. I mean, you would have never thought you were doing this. It's just you were finding your flow and doing what felt right. Totally. I totally believe in destiny too. And it's just finding your flow is exactly right. Work hard and be nice to people. Exactly what you said. It's all these things. And I know to anybody listening and to my followers, like sometimes they're like, you're just speaking in mantras. And I'm like, because I reached this point in my life where I realized that they're all true. So if you're on the other side of it and you're like 24 and you're stuck and you're not really sure, just trust me, just keep going. Just believe these things that we're saying and you too can find your flow. You just got to keep rowing the boat. Here I go with another mantra. You just got to keep rowing the boat and God will steer. And it doesn't matter if you don't believe in God or not, but it's just, it's more about that destiny. It's about just keep rowing the boat. You don't know where it's going. Something bigger is steering. Just keep going. You have to. It's so true. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Are you in Los Angeles? I'm in LA. Okay. So are you hearing, because I'm hearing that the kids don't want to work. Nobody wants to work. It's hard to find assistance. It's hard to find these young kids post-pandemic. We're still in the middle of it, I think. But They don't want to work. They don't want to work. They want to do what? The other thing is like, there's definitely a course correction that had to happen, specifically in my business. Yes, like the way we make TV, the way we make entertainment, there's a lot about it that's really, really wrong. Mm-hmm. And we have to continue to refine it and get better and do things in a better way and have a better work environment. But it sounds like young people just want perfect situations. You want perfect hours and you want to yeah. be you know, treated like a queen when you first walk in the door and you haven't done anything or proved anything. And there's a little bit of grit and having to like pick up shit that is going to make you stronger. And if you're smart, you're going to learn lessons from it. You don't have to do it forever. But, you know, hard work doesn't break you when you're 24 or 25 or 26 or 27. It just doesn't. The demanding of all this, what I'm worth and all of that stuff. It's like, yes, there are some course corrections that had to happen in the assistant world at the agencies with the assistants and nobody should be screamed at or have a stapler thrown at their head for sure. Totally agree. But the idea of like that you don't have to work hard when you're young or, you know, ever is kind of unrealistic. It's wrong and it's unrealistic. And I find it so frustrating how we tend to swing because you're right. Course corrections needed to be made. I agree with you, but we've swung to this all the way other side where everyone's like, I deserve the world and I deserve it delivered. And I'm 22 and I don't know my nose from my asshole. And it's like, no, like, again, of course, nobody deserves to be screamed at or hot table or thrown at their head. But I do believe in putting in the hours. I believe in going early and staying late because you know what? Your boss needs you. 
and because you're 22 and you've got to kind of put in your time. And it's scary because so much of who I am today is because of those late nights and early mornings and really tough jobs and just kind of putting in my time and cutting your teeth a little bit. And that's why I try to tell my followers so much, like, listen, by no means like stay in a job that you absolutely hate, but also don't quit after two weeks because you're not the CEO. I don't know where this came from. I think it came from a little bit social media because people see only the end result, right? They see, oh, they're like, Tinks, I want to be an influencer too. And I'm like, I'm 31. I've had like 19 jobs. I've lived in three cities. You know, I've been working since I was 16. People say, oh, she got big overnight. And it's like, for sure. But also it's all about the lead up too. So it bums me out when I come into contact with like a super entitled pocket of people. And it's a shame because I wish I could say to them, like, you won't ultimately be successful because the type of success that you're imagining, it doesn't exist. It's just not like an overnight thing. You don't walk in and someone hands you the keys and say, hey, you're the boss now. That comes from experience. That comes from being an assistant, right? Because you learn so much in every situation and you kind of have to go through that to be the best version of yourself. So I don't know, typical true to our world, we can never find a balance. It's one pendulum to the other, but it's a scary thought. It's true. Your problems are just different. It's not that when you have more money and fame that you don't have problems. You do have problems. You probably have more problems. They're just different types of problems. And life is a series of problem solving. And staying those late nights and having a job that isn't your dream job still should teach you problem-solving skills that you are going to need later on. So circle completely back to your conversation with Barbara Corcoran. You should be learning. You should want to work. You should want to have a job that isn't a forever job just because if you're that much of a baddie, you'll take that experience, that shitty experience, and you'll turn it into the next thing. Totally. And you'll turn it into the next thing. If you're that bad a bitch, then you'll make it happen. I've done everything. I've worked at Dunkin' Donuts. I've cleaned hallways. I've done a ton of shitty jobs. And I was able to use them as stepping stones and get to the next thing. So this mentality of like, I'm too good for that when you're so young is confusing to me because that's how you get to be a bad bitch is by surviving all that shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know. I totally agree. I think that now I look back so fondly on every experience. You know, I really don't have a time in my life, like even when I was in the jobs that I was hated and I was crying every night, I look back on them fondly because I'm like, they made me who I am today. And you should want those experiences. You should want that color to your history because it makes you a rich human being and it gives you empathy and it gives you like, I'll give you an example. My first job out of college, I worked at Gap Inc. at the headquarters and they had a program, kind of like a boot camp that you had to be accepted into thinking that you want to be a retail exec. And I really credit them because something that they had us do before we went to our fancy little corporate jobs is they had us rotate through all the different stores. So they had us wake up at 3 a.m. and go work the floor at all their portfolio companies, Old Navy, Banana Republic, Gap Inc. And they sent us to all these random ones, you know, the headquarters was in San Francisco. And I credit them because you know what? Then when I was in the air conditioned office in San Francisco, making decisions about product, I had in the back of my mind, well, I know that the sweaters are actually loaded off the truck like this. So thinking that we need to put the pattern here, it all matters if you let it, okay? It all adds up to something. 
you can literally learn something at every point. And I'll always remember that. And it taught me a lot, you know, unloading all the merchandise and working the floor and talking to the customers. It made me a better worker later on because I understood that point of view. For sure. I worked in bars and restaurants a lot when I was younger. And it's true. If you want to own a restaurant, you should start off as a busboy and then work your way up to a waiter, you know, and work in every part of the restaurant so that you understand all of the different departments and how they come together. And it just makes for a better restaurant owner or a better bar owner. Or even on my job, when executive producers spend time on set, it's challenging with COVID, but, you know, you just see things when the writers come to set. Yeah they see things through a different lens that they don't ordinarily see when they're, sure. you know, around their conference table, throwing around writing ideas. Once we get a scene on the stages and up on its feet, this part of the dialogue may be challenging because of the blocking or whatever. So they do that at agencies too. They have the assistants work on all the different desks. You go work on 10 different agents' desks. So you can hear how all of those different agents deal with issues. And you learn, hopefully, if you're smart, you take a little bit from everything totally. and put it together to make your own pie yeah, or soup or whatever. I'm hungry. <laughs> That's why I'm using food. Wait, so your Erewhon TikTok. I'm obsessed with Erewhon. Yeah, I loved it. Okay, you know what I'm obsessed with? I'm obsessed with Erewhon too. It's like my favorite thing to do, go grocery shopping. Do you know about Maru? No. What is it? Maru is this really good coffee shop. Okay, okay. The line is down the block every day. Okay. Very, you know, it's a hipster spot. Everyone's got plenty of time to stand in the line. Right, right, right. Which is interesting that everyone's got all the time. <laughs> we we could all, by the way, like I make matcha in my house and I know how they make it. And I don't know, there's just something about the ritual of yeah. getting that matcha in the morning. Of course, I don't get it. My wonderful assistant Marina gets me the matcha, but I love coming into my kitchen and seeing it on the counter. Uh, anyway, you got to check Maru out. Oh, okay. I'm excited. I love coffee. I love matcha. So I can't wait to try it. You need to do like the East side. You've done the West side. You I need know. to come over to the East side of LA. I know there's so many good restaurants and cool stuff over there and it's very peaceful and beautiful. Every time I go, I'm like, I got to hang out here more. I mean, West Hollywood is kind of where my life is right now. And just with what I'm doing, it's kind of where I need to be. But every time I go over there, I'm like, oh my God, it's so civilized over here. Everybody's so nice and like normal compared to the West Hollywood's a little cuckoo sometimes, but that's okay. I mean, I don't know how civilized and normal it is over here. We have, you know, people sleeping all over the streets and tents. Mm -hmm. And so what do your days look like now as an influencer? Are you planning your next move? Like, do you feel pressure? What's going on right now? I do feel pressure in a good way. Um, you know, I think that over the past, I'd say maybe three months, the heat's turned up and now I have all these big projects that I'm working on and um, I have a way bigger team. I have all these fancy agents and, you know, my manager and everything. And, you know, I wake up and I immediately go on a walk, no matter what, if it's five minutes or, you know, an hour, I need that walk to just get going. And then it's just lots of meetings and projects and working on things. And, you know, yesterday, it's actually funny that we're talking about this now. Yesterday was the first day in 390 days that I didn't post a TikTok. So it was a really weird day for me because I didn't have anything. And I had back-to-backs all day. And I came home last night and I was like, yeah, I could put something shitty up, but I don't think I'm going to. I think I'm going to just 
have this be the first day I don't post. So that was a really like scary moment for me because I love routine and I love consistency. And I was like, this is the thing that started me. And now I'm like, you know, what does this mean? But it just means that I'm really busy. And in terms of what's next, I have a lot of cool stuff that I'm working on. I want to just continue to speak directly to my followers. That's the most important thing for me with whatever I'm doing next is like, I want to keep this direct line of communication because I do feel that I have it. I feel that I speak directly to them. And so they're at the center of everything I do and just continuing to speak with them and entertain them and delight them. And I always joke, I want to grow up with them. You know, I don't know everything, but if I can slip on the banana peel and tell them about it, if I love being the human guinea pig, if I can just teach a few people a few things, that'll be a win. I think you not doing the TikTok you care about what you post. Yeah. It has to feel authentic and you didn't feel like doing it that day. So I always try to be my most authentic self. And it's funny because I feel like I'm way too old for TikTok. And then at some point, my assistant said to me, there's been like 6 billion Grey's Anatomy hashtags on TikTok, Ellen. Oh, yeah. And I was like, really? Oh, my goodness. But, you know, there's a part of me that feels like, oh, my goodness, I'm 51 years old. Like, I can't be on TikTok. That's ridiculous. There's an entire corner of TikTok that's like Grace TikTok. Like, there's an entire, like, little universe on TikTok that's just all about Grace, dedicated theories, fans. <laughs> just, it's like, it's an entire world on there. And sometimes I get on it. Like we call it, you say, oh, I'm on oatmeal TikTok or, oh, I'm on dog TikTok, but it's more niche than that. It's like, oh, I'm on pink lip gloss TikTok. You have no idea. It's like, there's so many little veins in there. Sometimes I get on Gray's TikTok and I'm like, wow, you got to check it out because it's pretty cool. Okay. I definitely will. I do love dog videos on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And I do love, I'm super into the ghost, like spirits, when people Ooh. see ghosts and spirits. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I like that too. I love to know about people's encounters. I'm a little bit on spooky TikTok too. Yeah. Uh-huh. I love that. When you see like the dark shadows going across the room or yeah. whatever. Or I'm they'll like, like they'll play a, a CCTV video and they'll like circle something and they're like, what's that? I'm like, I believe in ghosts, so I love it. For sure. Yeah, I do love it. I have to also, I have little kids, mm -hmm. so I have to have a healthy balance between knowing what's up yeah. and, you know, not being on it too much or yeah. not having to depend on it. Now even my seven-year-old knows what TikTok is. I'm sure. She doesn't have it, but she hears about it from school and it's, you know, it's just constantly trying to stay up on game to make sure I know what's happening. Yeah. The whole social media and kids thing, I don't have kids. I want to have children, but I think, wow, that is a very interesting obstacle for parents to tackle in terms of, you know, wanting their kids to know things and, and what have you. And, and as you said in the beginning, like there is good parts of social media, but navigating that is like, and it breaks my heart because like, I didn't even have that in high school. And so many of my followers are girls in high school and they're like, oh, this guy wrote this mean thing on my Instagram. And, and I'm like, oh my God, you're 16. Like, this is so much added-ish for you to deal with. You're growing into your body. You're figuring out if you want to go to college. You're figuring out how to be in the world. And then you have to deal with fucking Instagram, like a boy liking your picture or not. So I often think in the future, like, wow, how will I navigate this with my own family? And for me, being like so online, I am literally live on the internet. Like, how will I evolve my relationship to make sure that I protect my kids in a way, if that makes sense? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, you'll figure it out once you get there. You got some time to mm-hmm. have fun still and enjoy this ride. Are you, um, you're definitely having fun, right? That's so important. I am. Yeah, it's fun. I try to write gratitude lists every day and on a lighter note. Yeah, I'm definitely having fun. I'm going to the freaking Amphar Gala tonight. I mean, how fun is that? Like I'm wearing a freaking Dior dress tonight. So yeah, it's pretty cool. And I love those pinch me big moments because it is fun and I can get a little bit in my head in the day. So it's fun to have those moments. I'm really excited. There's a lot of good stuff happening and I'm so grateful. For sure. Yeah. So what's the dress look like? I'm excited about it now. It's a princess dress. It's black and they're lending me like jewelry and a bag and shoes and everything. And I couldn't believe it. They're so nice and it's just straps and comes down, cinches at the waist and then goes out. It's like full length princessy dress. So I'm just very excited. Now, do you know what you want to do with your hair? I'm always one that I may have an idea, but I always leave it up to the professionals because that's another great thing is like we have access to the best hair and makeup there is. So I always say, what do you think? You know, and I'll do whatever you really think. Oh yeah. I just pass it. I mean, I'm so lucky. Like that is something I always tell my followers is like, you know, I, I, and I also think that that's another good thing about social media. I think like before, you know, the teams weren't really recognized. And now we have the chance to say, this amazing person came to my house and literally fixed my face and my hair so that I look like this superb version of myself. So I have my stylist sent the pictures of the inspo to my amazing hairstylist. And it's just like, these people, like it takes a village and they are such artists, like in the true sense of the word, they have vision. So that's really cool. I would say that's one of the coolest things because, you know, I think when people start to get famous that they're kind of like, maybe I shouldn't talk about what's behind the scenes, but I'm like, guys, this is the best part. Literally they come to your house and they fix you. And even if you look disgusting that day, they completely sorted out. It's amazing. So yeah, I'm excited. I think that's why part of the reason why some influencers are so well-received and why you speak to people because you let them know, you let them in on the process. I feel like the Kardashians are the same way. You know, they show their sad moments, their challenging moments, their triumphs. I know people will talk about the airbrushing and the changing their imaging, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about letting people in on your vulnerability and the ability and the superpower to be able to be vulnerable and show people because that is not easy thing to do. Yeah. And to let people know that the process is messy sometimes, it's great other times, and to really just be authentic and let people see that is why the people who take off take off. Because people want to see what it looks like a day in the life. They want to see how the sausage gets made. I always think like, well, what would I want to see? And I was just so curious about it before this was all happening to me. So now I'm like, you guys, this is what happens. I didn't even know the difference between a manager and an agent until one of them called me last August. and was like, hey, I'm an agent. This is what I do. You don't need me yet, but you need a manager. Here's one I think you should talk to. And so just like, I love sharing that stuff with my followers. Actually, it's funny. They asked me this morning, they said, what fancy event that you've gone to has had the best food. And like, I just love that. And I love to tell them about that kind of stuff. Cause that's the type of question that I would ask is like, Oh my God, like who was dancing? Like, what was the champagne? Like all that stuff that, you know, it's interesting. And there's not a lot of visibility as to this world. So I think it's very important to let them know. Cause it's interesting. And 
you know, why not? The more you know. It's interesting and it shows humility, you know, to not pretend like, oh yeah, I'm fabulous. I'm famous. I went to Stanford wearing Dior. Here I am. Fuck you, bitches. Yeah. I mean, that's one approach and that works for some people. Yeah. But for you, what's working is a lot. Everything is working for you, but the humility and the authenticity is such a strong engine of it. And it's really great that young girls have you to look to and to see what authenticity looks like and what humility looks like. And that's all we can do is try to use our platforms for good. So totally. And, you know, to our point before about comparison, I'm always certain to show them like when I look, you know, how I look when I wake up in the morning, nobody looks like how they look on the red carpet. I'm always like panning to the team and I'm like, it took eight people, eight human beings who are professionals to make me look like this. You know, that's why when I was growing up, all we had was the magazines, right? And we would see a beautiful celebrity on the red carpet with one perfect picture. And you'd be like, oh shit, there's no chance in hell I could ever look like that. And I'm like, you guys, there is, <laughs> it's just an entire team behind, behind this person. So you got to show the good with the bad. You got to show the ugly. You know, I always show myself looking hungover and whatever, because we're multifaceted, you know, you can look glamorous. You got to show it all. I try to really show it all. Hallelujah. Thank God. <laughs> Tinks, this was fun. Thanks. I know you're busy. I was so happy to meet you. I mean, I know you are literally doing 5 million things. So thank you for having me on. You are such an inspiration. I think you're very cool. And I'm just honored to have had this chance to chat with you. I'm going to tell my 12-year-old Tinks thinks I'm cool. (laughs) You are cool. Are you kidding me? You're just like, you're cool. You're cool, man. My my 12-year-old is so cool, too. She's actually, like, she's the best. But um, you take care of yourself, and maybe we'll go to Maru one day. I would love that. I would love to have this special matcha. It sounds absolutely wonderful. Okay, holler at me when if you want to come to the east side, holler, and I'll show you around. Perfect. Okay, have fun tonight. Thank you. Okay, bye. bye-bye. Bye-bye. 